0: Welcome back to the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I'm Aaron Breitman, joined once again by David Anderson here on Thursday, September 28th, to talk about a lot. Talk about Michigan, the loss last Saturday, a little bit of a preview on Wagner, and then also wanted to kind of get our thoughts on the first four games of the season at the third third waypoint of the 2023 campaign so far. David, thanks for being back. Why don't you jump into it in terms of your initial thoughts on the loss
1: to Michigan? Thanks for having me, Aaron, as always. Uh, in general, I rewatched the game this morning, just solely focused on the offensive and defensive lines. And really, what I came away from, there's a lot of little nuances that were not apparent on the first watch about who was doing well, controlling their guy. Uh, basically, Michigan. Well, let me take our number one thing that probably everyone wants to know about is how do I feel about the play calling in terms of the selection of runs versus passes? And what I can tell you from re-watching it is that it did appear that Michigan was getting absolutely no pass rush if Rutgers was throwing on downs that were not obvious passing downs. It looked like their defensive linemen were kind of firing out and standing there. And then Wimsett had plenty of time to at least make his initial reads and escape like there was almost no pressure on those situations in the first half Michigan adjusted a little bit in the second half but it did seem like a smart idea in retrospect that whoever was watching what was happening on the field did a did a pretty good job and then vice versa when they were expecting a pass Rutgers pounded them with a few runs including quarterback runs that were successful so again when you look at the stash sheet and you're like they ran all these times and they threw this many times uh consecutively or running it actually looked like it was the right decision at the time. The reason it wasn't more successful was because Michigan is an ex- uh, extremely disciplined front seven, particularly, and their especially defensive linemen did a great job getting off blocks and at least slowing down a ball carrier until help arrived. And then also, their secondary players did great in terms of tackling in open space. Whether they were tackling an open space or in contested close spaces, they did a great job. So I have to just kind of tip the cap to Michigan, and that's really where we want to see Rutgers go as a next step. And then conversely, uh, the Rutgers defense—I thought they did a fairly similar job. It looked like at times, if they read the play properly, they were getting in the backfield, getting pressure. But the times that Michigan ran when they were, we thought they were going to throw, or vice versa, were not successful. Um, they really weren't getting any what we call secondary pass rush. They weren't really rushing, getting any pressure with four guys if it was like first and Mm ten. Now, they were preventing big plays. Michigan was having to check down usually and, you know, get short gains. Rutgers did a good job keeping everybody in front of them and making tackles, staying in the game. So I thought that the the defensive game plan was fairly sound, but I do think they expect to get more pressure from the front four than they got. That that was that's the main takeaway that I have on both sides of the line. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh
0: I, I actually touched on something that that I thought of was that, yeah, Wimsett, I I thought it's in the second half, maybe you know, go to him a little bit more with our with designed RPOs. He was really effective. He ran for two first downs in the first half. Uh, and he was definitely, you know, mixing it up and 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 giving them something to think about there. And then the defense, yeah, I thought they got worn down at the end a little bit. I think momentum kind of you know uh got them but they never fully fell apart you know right, like they maybe right. like last year you know obviously turnovers hurt them last year but they still hung in and you know listen if you signed up for giving up 24 points to michigan i think we all would have signed up for that you know you don't count that pick six obviously so right, right. against them so yeah so i thought overall was it i mean the score it, it very well could have been a lot closer uh you know, in regard to what the final score was and the overall thoughts. So I, I came away, you know, feeling actually pretty good about their long-term potential in terms of how they, they held up and, and what they could do against lesser competition.
1: For sure. And I mean, any of us, anybody who read us when I was with you at on the banks knows that I don't really put that much stock in the final score right. on a week to week basis. I mean, if you look at the end of the year and you lost every game 40, nothing. Okay, fine. But there's, there's games Rutgers lost, let's say, 30 to nothing. Like, I think of that Iowa game yeah. uh, when McLean Carter got a concussion. And they couldn't do anything. And that game was only 30-nothing. And Iowa was ranked. Like, they had a pretty good team. But th- that was much more of a demolition than this. And, you yeah. know, you go for it on fourth. Maybe you kick a field goal if it was only 17-10. Maybe you, maybe you cut it 17-13, and then optically right. it's a lot different. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. You, you, that, then all the pressure's back on Michigan. I think that was
0: the key to the game was can you put pressure on Michigan late in the third quarter? And they almost did. So, yes, we would have liked to have seen a more competitive score, but I think it honestly does bode well for how they project, which we're going to get to. But just wanted to first touch on Wagner out of respect. Yeah. You know, yes, you know, Rutgers should absolutely win this game by a lot. Uh, and, you know, I think it does actually come in a good time. Uh, I, I don't love this kind of FCS matchup this late in the season, fifth game, just from a, you know, from our perspective, uh, it's not very right. compelling, but, you know, it does get a lot of them to catch their breath a little bit. Maybe some guys that are dinged up a little bit, you know, you obviously have a crucial season defining month ahead after this game. Wagner's actually two and two. They are improved. Uh, they lost uh, to, um uh, Navy 24 to nothing. Uh, they also uh, lost. Uh, they just beat Merrimack 22 – to. Uh, 30 to 27. 30, yeah, 30 to 27. On a, They blocked a field goal late, uh, which yeah, was, it was a good. bad
1: snap. And then. Yeah. Kind of the broken play. Yeah.
0: Um, and then, yeah, they lost at Fordham, who's a powerhouse. Obviously, they lost 46 16. They lost at Navy 24 nothing. They beat Sacred Heart, who's usually respectable uh 17 to 10 and then they merrimack 30 27 so they're definitely improved they've uh, fumbled fumbled eight times they've uh, thrown three interceptions they've only lost four of those fumbles but i think turnovers is going to be a huge thing what are you looking for in this game
1: yeah so i mean i think it's a little bit different than last year uh, wagner's quarterback played at yukon two years ago and had you know decent stats then he's a little less of just an absolute gunslinger like Cargman was like he would just chuck it around like this quarterback he's uh kajewski i think his name is yep. he's he's a pretty smart player like he knows when to tuck it and run he seems to know he seems to have a good sensibility about what's going on out there pass run tuck it etc and so i was quite uh pleased to see that just because you know not like you want records to lose but it's good to see local programs doing well they don't have the same explosive passing attack that they did last year especially because that one receiver uh transferred out they do have the same running back i think his name's scroll and then they have another running back who's getting a lot of carries they've been okay um they've got a couple guys on defense who have been winning you know players of the week honors and their kicker has been pretty good so you know i think that they might be better in terms of how they perform against similar competition, but I don't see that translating into a better performance against Rutgers.
0: Yeah, I mean, physically on both lines, you have to imagine that Rutgers is going to be able to overpower them on both sides.
1: Right. I mean, really, when we turn, what are we looking for in this game? I mean, Rutgers should not be getting any holding penalties. You shouldn't. These guys shouldn't be getting past you defensively. They should be able to hold their ground. Uh, and then of course, we don't want to see any pass interference because you they should be able to be on these receivers. I, that would be something I would be looking for, you know, coming out of this game.
0: Yeah, clean football, and you know, hopefully that the you know they can go beyond the two deep, it's it's a big enough lead. I think you know, getting Evan Simon some time, uh, would be beneficial. Right. Uh, you know, get some guys that that don't get a lot of playing time, some of the younger guys, I think it'd be really beneficial also to keep. That you're too deep as fresh as possible going into crucial October, obviously at uh, Wisconsin next week, which I know you're already studying for. So uh, yeah. looking forward to that. All right, so let's get into kind of a overview of the first four games. Uh, some initial thoughts in terms of what you your biggest take, your biggest positives uh, or positives so far through the first four games. Well,
1: offense is absolutely just the threat of QB run and the threat of actual passing the ball. I mean, there were so many situations that yesterday's game where it would be like second and eight, and Michigan was kind of expecting run, and so their corners were back. Rutgers used a lot of in-cutting slot routes, which freed up the outside receiver to just do a quick, you know, 10-yard turnaround, catch the ball, or even seven yards, turn around, catch the ball, and then fall forward for the first down. I was – I mean, that's what actual football is these days. And Mm -hmm. we just haven't seen it from Rutgers. Now, does that to say that they're an explosive passing attack? No, but this is a lot different. And then the other thing is, you know, because Wimsett, I mean, I I love what Noah Vedrill brought, especially as a runner, but teams weren't scared of him just busting a huge run. And so they would pack the box more because of his limitations as a thrower and a runner. They can't do it against Wimsett. There were at least two plays early in the game against Michigan where, if he just jukes the other way or even elects to take it outside, he might have gotten fifty to sixty yards. So, am I? Do you? Would it have made a difference in the game? Yeah. Does it impact your long-term trajectory? No, because the threat that that's there is a huge, a huge thing to, that defenses are going to have to respect. So it's just the fact that. They can if defenses are going to give them free yards with eight yard out routes, you know, on second and or ten or whatever, take them. And then yeah, it's you may be in third and short, but Rutgers just is able to get back on schedule better than they have been at any point, maybe even in the last fifteen years. In terms of they have the players and the play calling to just make a second and ten into a third and manageable or third and short rather than a third and eight, and and then everything's on the table that that's been my far my number one takeaway uh and and as a result of that the offensive line doesn't have to block as long Yeah, and they can do a lot of different things with the offensive line we could talk a lot more about that but that my initial takeaway is workers can pass the ball so that we're going to see more interesting football the rest of the year
0: yeah that's pr- pretty much ties into kind of My my secondary part of that, which my biggest takeaway, is that I think the potential for this offense to get better as the season goes on is there. Uh, I thought, you know, I think the receivers, considering that Brantley hasn't played, that Chris Long really hasn't played, uh, I I think they've gotten pretty decent production out of the receivers. I think Jackson's kind of been close to what we hoped he would be. Dremel's been better than I expected uh you know obviously Ian Strong's been in some, somewhat inconsistent but he he has uh, a lot of potential I think Isaiah Washington you know to, to his credit I think he's actually been more consistent than he ever has just in terms of game to game uh in the past I love his how job he, yeah
1: he yeah he bounced back
0: it. against Michigan you know and that he had the he stepped out of bounds and that was a tough catch to make but then the very next catch he kept his focus and I really? thought that and he made a great catch so That's been encouraging the fact that the running backs haven't been fully healthy. The fact that Whimsit's still learning. I I really feel like this is starting to to gel in the sense of, even though the competition is going to get harder, uh, Shiraka just getting to know his style and him getting a feel for what's going to work. I do think that this offense can be more dynamic as the year goes on. And for me, that's the biggest takeaway in terms of the offense. And then a flip side wise defense, I think they look the part. I think they look as good as we had hoped they looked. Obviously they haven't been severely challenged outside of Michigan, but they kind of held up, held up pretty well. Um, So I I think that both of those things, it's, it's pretty encouraging.
1: Yeah. I mean, on the defensive side, it's kind of what I was talking about with Michigan or what we saw from Iowa last year, the base of what they're able to do is very similar, right? If the, if a team runs and they have a, they don't even need a best defensive play call and they're stopping them. The difference is that uh, you know, Iowa generating turnovers, right? Michigan is, they didn't generate turnovers in that game, but when a guy is blocked, they just have so much more explosion to get off or get an arm on him. Whereas Rutgers is relying on their linebackers who have done a great job, right? But the next step is your defensive line, being able to do some more of those things up front. The other thing about the defense is that the secondary, as much as we have criticized a little bit of their play at times, I mean, that's what football is now. And when you compare it to what other teams are doing, it's equal, if not better, right? Everybody gets past interference from time to time. Everybody gets burned from time to time. That's what college football is. And so uh, that's been encouraging as well, uh, especially because the quarterbacks in the Big Ten this year are not anything to be too scared of in compared to some of the past years. So there's definitely some opportunity just based on the schedule that should allow them to be perceived better uh, just by playing the way they're continuing to play. And if they can play even better, great.
0: Yeah. So that leads. So the next thing I was going to ask was biggest concerns. And mine is maybe not a concern, but a question is, you know, can the defense uh, generate takeaways against good offenses? I think that for me is the big question mark on what their ceiling could be as a defense. You know, they didn't have any against Michigan. uh, So I think, you know, is Rutgers going to be able to win those matchup games and, and maybe even pull, pull an upset here. I think they, the only, the biggest way to doing that is having your defense generate takeaways and uh, the first chance they weren't able to.
1: Yeah. I mean, they should have had that one, but a play was blown dead, you know, true, before true, very was true. that was a terrible call. But I mean, even then what you got one. Yeah. I, there was very little opportunity in that game in terms of balls and harm's way. But yeah, I mean, you just got to punch balls out. You got to, hit people hard, pop that ball. Like, you know, we've got to see more of that. I think that the defense is swarming enough that the first man to the ball might be in more of a position because really you don't want a guy gambling for a turnover when they have no help, right? Because that's what leads to broken plays on the defensive side, breakdowns. But if there's three other guys around the ball, the first guy can go in with a big pop. If he misses the tackle, maybe, but maybe he gets his head on the helmet or the arm of the guy, or he can swat at the ball, whatever it is. I mean, I think we are, I feel more comfortable if the first man to the ball takes some of those risks, if they feel like they have a play bottled up. Yeah. There weren't that many opportunities against Michigan where that happened. There was a lot of tackles that had to be made in space. They were made. And I was much more happy with the fact that, you know, those tackles were made. Then, you know, Shaquan Loyal is gambling to like stop someone for a three hour loss at the risk of a big gain, Right. Like those True. those True. are the type of things that that those opportunities did not present themselves. But they have to be taken if they do present themselves. Right. You have to capitalize on opportunities. And so far, the defense has been they they have not done that. So one of the things my big question during the preseason was and I would have asked, you know, Harris Simeon or any of the defensive coaches is how much are they? just telling their players do your job and relying on those just natural turnovers to happen versus, Hey, go out and make a play. Those are two completely different philosophies. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how they play it moving forward. Do they adjust that in game? Is it going into a game? Like, okay, we're going to try to make plays this game because it's Ohio state or Penn state or something. I have no idea, but I, 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 they have been very sound. Can they be this sound to get turnovers or do they have to take some risks? Yeah, it's
0: a great point because you're right. I mean, they really haven't surrendered any big plays. So that that is a huge benefit. Um, But yeah, obviously going, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Indiana, those are games I think they they have to get multiple turnovers simply just, you know, to take a little bit of pressure and help uh, the offense in short fields, because I do think that, you know, as you kind of, well, didn't allude to, you pointed out in the beginning, like they can, the offense is actually a threat now. So they haven't really had the benefit of any short fields yet. And I'm curious to see how shiraka handles that in the moment, you know, in terms of, you know, is he aggressive? If, if, you know, if they get an interception on the opponent 40 yard line, you know, how aggressive is he right off the bat in terms of having that type of possession?
1: Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I want to see more of flipping back to offense mm-hmm. is you saw Michigan take advantage of, of Rutgers, because one thing to keep in mind about Rutgers defense, right, they play a strength side. So they say, okay, strength right. And then sometimes you'll see them totally switch. Like everybody is switching completely what side they're on because the offense makes a change. And Michigan caught them twice on big plays. You could argue three, but I think one of them was more Shaquan Loyal missing a tackle. But they caught them twice where they put a guy in motion and the defense had to adjust and it messed up who was covering who just long enough for a big play to happen. And I feel like Soraka has that at his disposal. Now, whims shown us enough because a lot of times with a young, young, inexperienced quarterback, you don't want to change things on them. You mm-hmm. want them to just, okay, see this and make a play. But I think we might be at the point with whims if we want to talk about reasons for optimism, where if you put yep. a guy in motion, the defense is going to adjust, right? So they're changing their maybe coverage, like of what is happening on what side of the field, but so you run the risk that they change the coverage and now you misread it, but you run the possible gain of if there's a miscommunication like we saw with Edwards in that first big play that Michigan had offensively. You might catch them in a situation where they're, they haven't communicated you know, in the game of telephone who's doing what, and you might be able to pop that. And those I find are particularly effective after a turnover because the defense is – They're not just standing in the sideline with their helmets like, okay, here we go. This is going to be the first defense we're going to call. No, they're kind of sprinting out there, kind of making sure we got the right personnel on the field, and they're probably going to be in a very base defense. So if you you probably know that, you might be able to strike quickly. And we've seen Rutgers get burned on it. You saw the Nebraska game last year, right? The one difference in that game was Rutgers had a turnover, and they threw a touchdown, and I think it was the very first play. And and you wonder, can Rutgers – we've seen their – professionalism on offense take advantage of other things would that be a way they can do it and even if it's not right after turnover I do think we might be able to see some more motion that would help you know free guys up a little bit more they haven't really needed to do it so far and I don't think it would have won the game against Michigan but maybe they have that in their back pocket
0: well and I wonder if Shirak is almost setting that up right for down the road because he has done a lot of things in the pre-snap where he's kind of you know disguised a couple of things and you know, you've talked about how they, they run block and passing situations. I feel like maybe right. that he's winding things up for when they do play those matchup games and those opportunities present itself. They'll pull a card out that hasn't been played yet that, you know, can can catch uh, the opponent uh, off guard.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping. And then the other thing is we all hated that first play of the game, two yard pass to Johnny Langan. That was, I hate those plays because it could go for a pick six and even if he catches it, he gets what, two yards. Yeah. So I'm hoping there's some of those are just setting up on film for a defense to like, okay, bite down on this play this tight end or this run. And then you run play action off it, or you run a double move or a screen or something. And it's like pops. So I'm hoping that he's planting those little nuggets. And that's not what you expect from a young offensive coordinator, but in his situation, I think that's, we might be getting ready to see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, So my my biggest reason for optimism or or, or things, I guess, things that I'd like to see is I'd like to see them open it up a little bit more with Wimsett. Uh, And I do think that they can lean on him a little bit more in the run. Maybe they're being, you know, conservative. It seems like in the first half they run with him a lot more than in the second half. Uh, And, you know, obviously the offensive line we haven't – you touched on a little bit, but their development is key in all of this as well. But the way that they're, you know, doing the short passes. Uh, I'd like to see that. I mean, the running backs were pretty effective in the past game early on, and then they've kind of gone away from it. Now that they have a full running back rotation, how is that going to look? I think there's a lot of different options that are now available for the offense and how Chirac kind of utilizes that is going to be really interesting. It it could change obviously matchup to matchup, but um, I think that that's something to watch for uh, as well.
1: Yeah. I, I guess we should make sure we talk about the offensive line in, you know, earlier than later and I mean we have seen signs from some of the younger guys of and I, I do think part of it is like I mentioned and you even mentioned today putting the offensive line in more favorable blocking situations yeah like they're expecting run you pass block or vice versa they're expecting pass you run block and they're kind of like surprised I mean really Michigan's defensive line. They're get they're very good on both sides of the ball, really. But a defensive line gets an initial pop and then they kind of look around. And then if you're passing, but you're kind of kind of mauling them as a more of a run blocking thing, you you're gonna give yourself some time. And I think that makes it easier on the offensive line. And then having a quarterback who can move obviously does as well. So I do think we've seen improved play from the offensive linemen individually, but it looks even better on tape. Because they have these other threats available to them. Uh, I mean, I think like Asamoa and Dunlap had their best game, maybe of their careers, in against Michigan. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, and then, like we talked about, Harp done over and over and over again. You, we need one, really two of the redshirt freshmen to all, you know, sophomores to start playing. And we did see some from Needham before he was injured. But then when you go down a class, you get to Asamoa and Taj White, and both of them have shown like, okay, they should be solid, solid, if not, you know, at least quality Big Ten starters next year. So if you can get to that point, you're going to feel pretty good about what's going on on the offensive line, right? Because they need those younger classes to, kind of be the backbone of this offense in another two years and that starts on the offensive line
0: yeah that's a great point I'm actually writing on the offensive line right now and you know everything Shiano said in the preseason was they want to have a starting five they want to have a starting five and uh, having a, a big rotation is not ideal but that's basically what it's been you know rotating nine ten guys a game and I don't know it kind of feels like that's just They're going to they're going to play the hot hand, so to speak, in terms of they're going to, you know, whoever practiced the best is going to get the start. And then how they do in that first half, that game, you know, is going to dictate how many snaps they get. And like you said, maybe it does actually benefit in the future in terms of developing guys that maybe if they were set in stone with their best five right now, it doesn't give other guys opportunities to grow.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's that, but when we talk about a Brian Felter, or a Gus Salinskis, maybe even Shafoni, the staff likes what those guys do. But the question is, do they have the size and strength and agility to compete against the upper echelon players just physically speaking? Right. Right. I mean, I, I know it's not a knock on them, right. I, I'm not physically big enough to do it either. Right. Like I couldn't be playing left guard in the big 10. <laughs> right. So it's not a knock on them as individuals, but so you wanted those guys to succeed, but if they're not able to get the job done against these bigger guys like Michigan had, like that's why I said Dunlap and Asamoah had a lot more success. I would not say that they were the better two guards earlier in the year, but they were the better two guards on Saturday. So, I mean, that's what Rutgers had to do there. i um, not sure about the Zelenska's Brown thing because we've kind of talked about that at length our eyes are not necessarily lining up with the grades maybe that pro football focus is giving or what the coaching staff. So it's hard to say at center, but at least you have two guys there. I think the biggest concern is right tackle with Needham being injured. And it seems like they don't want to play Taj white there. They'd rather him just be able to back up Holland Pierce if need as left tackle, but his snaps have been more impressive than Kamara Missouri in that backup role. So They might just have to do that. I mean, they started giving Missouri a lot of help, tight ends, just having him do simple blocks, blocking down the line at times. But anytime he was on an island or he had to do anything complex, he was having a hard time. But maybe that's just Michigan.
0: All right, so closing thoughts uh, in terms of, uh, I guess, my biggest encouraging takeaway is, you know, you just touched on blocking, but the fact that everyone is kind of bought in right the wide receivers are blocking the running backs are blocking uh the tight ends are are, you know doing what's asked of them the defense is still swarming you know we're going into week five i just feel like the the the, where the team is right now mindset wise and with the opportunity in front of them things are set up pretty good for them about as good as you can you can see and you know it's funny in the power rankings right now everybody pretty much has them sixth or seventh and obviously that's irrelevant on the field but if you look around the big 10 i mean I think actually Rutgers does have a chance to be right there in the middle in terms of where the teams are stacked. And I think the way the schedule is, it's never easy, but they have a real opportunity in front of them. They're fairly healthy. I think they're improving in certain areas. I think they're pretty well set up to be able to capitalize and get to six wins. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we talk about, you never know how things are going to break in a season, right? You never, if you're, you know, the Patriots, you didn't expect going into the year that by week three, Aaron Rodgers was going to be out. Right. Like it's, that's just a fact. So Rutgers, yeah, it might mean, we might be moving the goalposts a little bit with our expectations, but I mean the big 10 West is not looking good. Michigan state is in turmoil. Indiana just barely escaped Akron. Like you, this is kind of a mean thing. Like we said, with, with Virginia tech and Northwestern, you kind of got to kick them when they're down, right? How many times have we been on the other side of the coin it's like, Oh, our quarterbacks out our best defensive players out for whatever reason, like you gotta take advantage of that. And so uh, with this Wagner scheduling this week, it's good because their next three opponents are all have a bye either this week or next week. So Wisconsin is a bye, then they play Rutgers. And I think Michigan state and Indiana both have buys next week. And so they're going to be fresh when they play Rutgers. Right? So yeah, you don't have a bye this week, but, and you could complain about the scheduling, but, you know, you gotta. You're in a decent position here, and so they just gotta. They gotta go for their jugular. And being bought in to your point is the most important because once guys start checking out, hey, I'm not getting playing time. Maybe I'm gonna transfer. Maybe I'm thinking about the NFL. It's late in the year. Who knows, right? You 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 gotta keep extending the season for people to be bought in to notice these things in the film review to lift those extra weights on Tuesday afternoon, right? Like that is all a part of going into it, and I think their schedule lines up like Wisconsin beatable are they better than Rutgers yeah is it a winnable game yeah Iowa their offense is awful their defense is good but we saw that last year can they do better Michigan state got to win now you, that kind of became a not a must win but like eh, they're the I better can, team i can't right think else. it is yeah indiana and michigan state Rutgers is better than them right now and you got yep. them in the next three weeks so you, this is your opportunity to strike
0: well, and it's also a way to show tangible progress from last year when we were all so frustrated about Nebraska being down. They should have won that game. Iowa, you know, was the turnovers.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So those were those were the, the the 50-50 games that they had a chance to win and they kind of, you know, they weren't able to do it. If they're able to do it this year, obviously it's gonna lead to a bowl game. But I also think just, you know, mentality-wise, that the, kind of the health of the program, it's it's gonna be like a super positive uh mojo to kind of build off of uh as the you know in the offseason moving forward into year five you're kind of able to conquer that demon a little bit and and be able to kind of put yourself in a position to take another step forward
1: yeah they got to get to a bowl game this year now i didn't feel that way yep. before this season but if they don't at this point the season is going to be viewed as a failure
0: yep I totally just- agree i said the same thing on monday and and also to the point of you have six big 10 teams for next year in the top nine in the AP right now. So, and we know, we know I made the joke, but I we know that Oregon is somehow going to be placed on the schedule and like Iowa or Illinois are going to be taken off. Right. So yeah, they got to take advantage of it right now. Completely agree. A tidy 31 minute episode for David Anderson and I. We're, we're trying, but I uh, really appreciate all the positive feedback. David, thank you so much for your great insight as always. And we'll talk soon enough. And uh, thanks so much for listening and watching once again here at the Scarlet Faithful.